Hello, um, welcome to another episode of Writer's Tribe. I am happy to have um, another guest here, BJ Butler. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the invite. Of course, of course. So we're going to go ahead on and jump right in. Tell me about yourself or tell the audience, like, who are you? Who is BJ? Where are you from? What uh, do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm originally from New York, raised in South Carolina, but I consider Hampton Rose home because I've been here for over 20 years. I uh, was in the military. I'm currently a government employee working at North Naval Shipyard. I have two daughters and two granddaughters. Oh, okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for your service. Well, thank you. Of course. So um, the reason why I ask you on is because you are an author. And of course, the name of the podcast is Writer's Tribe. So I invite writers of all different types to come on and share their writing journey and their books or whatever it is they're working on. So you currently have a book out. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. And what is the name of your book? Spiritual Thoughts, Human Era, God's Correction. Nice, nice. So um, what is your book about? It's a devotional. Um, and I say it's a devotional, but for me, it was a little bit more than just a devotional. Um, I guess the inspiration behind it came from just listening to a lot of Christians in church having challenges in life. And what I discovered is that a lot of the challenges that they have really we all have them, mm -hmm. but a lot of us tend to stay to ourselves and keep our issues to ourselves, or we're afraid of being judged by the church. So we we just keep it to ourselves. And I'm just thinking to myself at that time, other people need to hear this. Other people need to know that you're not alone. So I say it's a devotional because a lot of what was written in my devotional was more so more out of a spiritual journal. Mm things that I've gone through or revelations that God had given to me and I just shared it and it took me a while to actually share it because <laughs> it was embarrassing but I finally put it out there so that's what essentially it is it's meant to be more of a personal devotion letting people know that it's okay to go through life uh, with challenges you're not alone and some of this will help you get through your life okay so what type of challenges did you notice that prompted you to actually write a book? Because of course we interact with people all the time and we might hear their stories and what they might go through. So what was it that made you say, okay, I'm writing about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I will start with say that I've actually been writing in a journal for a while before I even wrote the book. So some of it came from my journal. Um, yes. But some of the things that I've discovered along the way, like grief, when you lose a loved one, how do you handle it? What do you do? What do you say to someone who's lost a loved one? Um, and I prayed about it. I looked in, you know, asked God that question. And the Bible came to mind. Mm -hmm. But then it went to Job. And I thought about what Job did, what his friends did when he lost everything. And they sat around and sat with him for six days and said nothing. And I was like, wow, 
And then I realized, you know what? You don't have to have words to say to someone when they lose something. Just your presence being there uh, says a lot. So I actually put it to the test. Um, I'm the type of person that, you know, if I value our friendship, you know, I value the relationship. You know, if you lose a loved one, if, um, I've gone to friends' funerals, so they lost a loved one. If I'm able to make it, I've gone there. And I've had some of them that were surprised to even see me there. But later on, they would say it meant so much just to see me there because even if I didn't speak to them, my presence there alone was enough to help comfort them in a time of loss. Mm -hmm. You know, that was something, something and I'm not sure if that's in the book or not, but those are, that was just one example of something that I realized we all go through, but we think we're the only ones going through it at that particular time or loneliness. Um, I think a lot of us at times feel like we're alone in this world or I was a single parent um, for a while. That right there, I can tell you, was a challenge in itself, um, especially as a man, because a lot of the resources I've learned, personally experienced, are not set up for men. They're specifically designed for women. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of challenges. Um, but once again, just being able to write some of those challenges down, uh, being reminded what was more important to about being a parent, um, I don't recall if that's in the book as well, but those are some of the things that I just would jot down and not necessarily, not always look for biblical references. Sometimes the references would come first and then I look for the life experience to complement the, the scriptures that go along with it. But those are just some things that uh, I would write about and some things you'll find in the book. Okay, that's really good. And so I kind of want to take like a little uh, detour a little bit. So you mentioned how you were a single parent and a lot of the resources um, were for women that you found. Um, so what was it like navigating your spiritual journey as a single parent? Did that change any? Did that challenge you in a way when it came to writing down your your spiritual thoughts? Actually, it increased more. Um, once I got custody of my daughter's it, in, it, in, it intensified more only, be, only because as a man, I had not known of any other man that had custody of their their children. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it was uncharted waters mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, so I just knew I needed to be in the church. Mm -hmm. um, I needed to be rooted where I can be fed. And uh, I thank God for the church that I, that I eventually went to because that actually helped me a whole lot. Um, the, the support, the genuine support that was there, not saying other, where I was going at, it wasn't there, but it, I needed something that was a little more organic and practical for mm -hmm. my life. I didn't need the traditional uh, sermons or the traditional um, greetings mm -hmm. um, that was, that was there. So um Anyway, it it helped me with my spiritual journey because um, I, I had to depend on God a little bit more than I had to before uh, where I found myself just talking to him um, because I, I dealt with depression at times because there was one time that um, I, I told God, I was like, no woman's going to want me. They're going to think that I still got a baby mom in the picture because you don't see any single men raising their daughters. Got in a car seat in the, in the uh, back of the car. And then I remember driving along, this lady just waved at me and I waved at her and we had pulled over you know, at the light. 
And uh, she started talking. She saw the car seat in the back and just shook her head and just like took off. I'm like, wow. And that like re- reaffirmed that nobody's going to believe that I'm, I'm a single parent. <laughs> but at the, at the, for me at that time, I began to immerse myself more so into focusing on raising my daughters, working at church, and then I also started going back to school at the time. Mm -hmm. So my life was pretty much rotating between those three things on a daily basis. Wow, that's so powerful. It's so powerful that you said all of that because what you were just expressing, you would typically hear that from women who have children you know and they're raising their children by themselves like they'll say oh no man's gonna want me or you know or they'll just settle they'll settle for just anyone just to say they have help i've actually heard someone tell me that you know they would rather they will go hunt out and, and marry this person because it's just easier to marry somebody just even if they're not completely happy with that person so they would not have to be a single parent and not it's so it's so weird you know but it's it's refreshing to hear you know of this from a man's point of view so i really do appreciate your transparency on this topic so how did your book heal you in those areas i'm a servant at heart Mm -hmm. i love helping people um once i finally got past my own fears insecurities of publishing a book um the focal point became other people i knew other people needed to hear what was in the book and i had to look at it as a form of serving other people so once i took that mindset that's when uh well it helped it actually bore fruit once people started buying the book and then i had the first person that came up to me because you don't know who's going to buy your book mm-hmm. you know, unless they buy from me directly. Uh, when he came up to me and he was like, bro, you know, I read your book. It's like the first chapter, the first devotional spoke to me. And I'm first in shock that he bought my book. Because, uh, I mean, I can say it now, sometimes your friends or family don't always support you. It's usually the strangers that support yeah. you first. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. I'm like, listen, if you want to embark on anything, just take it out of your mind that your friends and family are going to support you. Don't even look at them. Yes. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. I felt yeah. that one. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, you'll get a few, but don't look for the, uh, the whole clan to come out support. <laughs> but um, he came to me and he said, bro, that, that chapter just touched me. So he said, I was in a place. I really needed to read that. And he just, and we just hugged. And I told him that I needed that, not what he went through, but just that knowing that my book encouraged him. And for me, it was when you're obeying God, especially when you're uncomfortable, what it is that he's saying for you to do, you need to be encouraged when you obey him, Mm. I, I believe. So when I did it, I had already went out into the deep and as far as publishing the book and doing everything that I believe to help the body of Christ. So when the brother came up to me being the first person, it just solidified it. Wow. God, I guess this is why (laughs) we trust you (laughs) because you know what's going to happen. You know more than what we know. 
and it was just it was a it was a breath of fresh air because here's somebody who I didn't know what was what he was going through. It helped him. And then I began to realize like this book uh, will help others where they may read scripture, but they need practical uh, digestion of the scripture or see how it's played out in someone else's life so they can apply it to their own life. So that was the part that became, um, I guess, encouraging for me, um, knowing that I'm serving in a different way that I'd never seen myself serving before through my, my life, through the book. Yeah. And you know what? I agree with what you said, because you mentioned the lifeguard in your book, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I've never heard anyone refer to Jesus. I'm assuming you're referring to Jesus or God. I mean, they're the same, but, you know, <laughs> yes. But um, as the lifeguard. And so could you talk, like, go a little deeper, you know, into what you meant by Jesus being our lifeguard? Okay, I'm trying to remember that one. I remember the title, Lifeguard. Um, the way I, I saw it was that life is like a pool itself. And the scriptures are always there as like a life preserver. And we can hold on to them if we want to. Or we can go out there and try to do things on our own. But at some point, you'll get tired of swimming. Mm -hmm. And you need somebody to depend on. And Jesus is always there watching over us. Well, he will only respond to us when we call call out for him or if we take on too much of life itself, you know, out of love that he's he he can, he can still save us. And I'm not talking about our souls per se, but from the situation that we're in, where somebody may do something that you didn't expect or something will happen that was unexpected. And it just gives you that that second win to at least come up and see that your help was not from man itself, but it was from God himself that was saving you. So that's what I mean by he is a lifeguard. He's always there, but you don't see him because you're focusing on going through life each day. Right. And you made mention of the uh, scripture with, um, I want to say it was in Matthew, <laughs> about Peter. <laughs> he was walking on water. Was it Peter walking on water? Yes. I want to make sure I'm getting that right. Yes. I do read my Bible, but the memorization part of it, I'm working on it. <laughs> and how it was Peter. <laughs> how he was uh, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to drown. And so then Jesus became his lifeguard. And I, I really I loved how you um depicted that. Uh, so I want to move on to another question. So what uh, so is this your first book? Yes. Okay. So have you always wanted to become a writer? Have you always seen yourself doing this? No. Really? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so was it completely uncomfortable when you decided to put pen to paper and then publish it since this is something that you did not envision? The, the pen to paper, not really, because again, I've been journaling for over 10 years. The publishing part was the difficult part. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I can. I will say. I just go a little deeper. Um, the thought came to me. I could probably help other people with some of my journal, and I was, and that's where the war became. No, you can't. And yes, you can't. Like the little angel and the devils on sitting on my shoulders, and that's when the war began. And to to give you a timeline, 
So I had already had the book ready to go in four years. Then I paid for it and didn't release it for another year. So I sat on my book for five years before I finally published it because I was so afraid of the church. Really? Why were you afraid of the church? Well, okay. (laughs) Cause I'm I'm thinking I'm not a pastor or minister. I didn't go to theologian school, Mm -hmm. uh, theology school. Um, I have nothing in my background that suggests that I'm a scholar of the scriptures outside of going to church Mm. itself. And that's why, um, and then when you hear people, you know, got scriptures memorized. Oh, no, that was in Exodus, the third chapter, the 44th verse. I'm like, okay. And I know, right? The therefore. You see, I was struggling with who. <laughs> <laughs> what, was it Matthew? Who said that about Peter? Yes. I feel you. <laughs> so so all those thoughts are going through our minds like, yeah, you know, they're going to crucify you. You come out here and you talk about like the lifeguard. You know, that's not in the biblical. That's not biblically correct. But then I got to a point where it's like, no, I, everybody, God's, God is so powerful that I believe that when he speaks to us, that even though he may speak to you a little differently than he speaks to me, it still lines up with his word. Mm-hmm. So I had to start thinking like that. I also had to remember that I'm, I'm about to help other people struggling because I'm still hearing people talk to me about some of the issues, the challenges that they're going through. So when I got to that point and I was like, well, you know what? If they kick me out of the church, it just has to be like that. And, and I had to get to that mindset that if I'm ostracized, I'm ostracized. Okay. So I felt like I thought I would be ostracized, ostracized from the church. Um, I felt like I, I didn't have the biblical background. I didn't attend any uh, theologian schools. I'm not a pastor, a minister, no one in my family that I'm aware of. Um, or in any of those positions. So I felt like that they would have just crucified me and, and kicked me out of the church. You know, you know, these are the thoughts that I'm having about publishing this book. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I thank God because God had to remind me to release the book. You know, I'm helping others. I'm serving others. And to understand that there are people that will not go to church. Some people will not watch it on TV. And the only church that they see will be me or my book mm-hmm. so that's the kind of conversations i had to have for myself to get this book out after sitting on this book for five years right and you know what i wanted to let you know that you are not alone in that because i went through the same thing um uh-huh. it wasn't five years though but it was definitely <laughs> uh, long enough it was like a year and a half And I was afraid of publishing it because of what I thought my family would say. And I honestly had the same thoughts about my church. I didn't think that they would excommunicate me out, but I didn't believe that I had authority to talk about, you know, scriptures, you know. And so I also Uh considered giving my book to my pastor at the time and asking him to to uh, uh, search it and make sure it's spiritually sound. And then God was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because ultimately what I was searching for was his approval. Exactly. Everybody's not going to give you their approval. You know, Uh so I, I can definitely understand what you were going through. So after five years, 
when when did you finally um, muster up your the courage to publish your book? Like, what made you actu- actually say, okay, this is the year that I'm going to do it? Uh, uh, I'd already spent a thousand dollars. It'd been a year already. Uh, I'm still hearing people talk about you know, life's challenges and how they're going through it. Some are struggling. Um, and then the, the biggest thing I had to realize is that the only person holding me back right now is me. I was in my own way mm-hmm. uh, with my own fears. And it became a learning lesson for me because I, I, for me, I realized that, you know, I experienced a lot of emotions just like any anyone else does. But but this particular time, fear just seemed to have pulled up a chair and just sat beside me mm. and was like basically daring me. It's like, I dare you to get up and publish that book. But it would always remind me before I got up. It's like, you're not a pastor. You're not a minister. Your friends are not going to like you. You know, it was just little things. But it just had, I just got to a point like I wanted to be more obedient and do more for God than walk in my own fear so it's basically i just had to like put fear in the headlock and just drag him along because the, the emotion was real but what he was saying was not mm. and i had to change my perspective so it was like you know, i gotta get this book out here um mr holidays uh i'm not gonna go another going into because it was november when i released the book and i said i was not going into another new year with this book sitting on my laptop mm. That's oh awesome. and then the and one other thing, Miles Monroe, bless his soul, he said the richest place on earth is in a cemetery where people die with books they've never written or released, songs that were never written or never published, ideals that were never patented. And that was something else that I had to remind myself, of, like, I am not going to die with this book in me. Mm. It's getting out. Preach it. I love that. There are so many people out there who need to hear that, including myself. You know, um, we tend to doubt ourselves so much and doubt our capabilities for fear of rejection and being ostracized and being ridiculed. But it's like, okay, we might be ostracized and rejected and ridiculed. But then, I mean, the ideas do not stop flowing. So we might as well just start, you know... start um walking stepping out in faith you know so i love that you said that um so what are so what would you recommend to someone who is sitting because i'm sure that there's someone who is listening right now who is fearful of writing their book or who have written their book and they are fearful of publishing their book you've been there you understand and you've overcome that. So what would you say to the person that's listening to us right now? So your book has an audience already designated for you. Mm-hmm. So it may not be in your immediate circle, but that audience is there waiting for you. I will also say that um, life, there's nothing new under the sun in life in general. So whatever challenges that you may have and you have overcame somebody is behind you in life still struggling to come through that so i tend to look at it as an obligation and and an act of love to 
turn around and go back and give to them something that can help them further along in life. So if you have a book that you have not released right now, out of an act of worship and love, release that book because somebody's out there, could be across the street from you, could be 2,000 miles away from you, could be overseas, but somebody somewhere maybe sitting without lights or sitting in in a 10,000 square foot mansion, you just don't know, and they're waiting to hear your story. So don't hold up their blessing. Don't hold up their, their, the prayer, the answers to their prayers, because that's what you are right now. Mm. Release it. Amen. Amen. And so I was going to ask you, did you experience any warfare while publishing this book? Because, you know, as Christians, we go through some warfare sometimes, especially when we want to release something that God told us to do. But it seems as if uh-huh. the warfare that you went through was within you know, you had to conquer your own inner thoughts. Yes. About yourself. So was that the biggest roadblock that you experienced? It, it, it was. Um, it, it was because it's not something that, I mean, you see it. The, I think the obvious ways that some of us tend to look at fighting ourselves was like if you're trying to lose weight or stop smoking, maybe stop drinking, you know, some of the, the obvious things, but when your heart is set on doing something that's essentially pleasing to God and helping others, it's like the fear just took some steroids all of a sudden. And then it was determined to try to push that love out of my heart. Mm. And I had never experienced that before because naturally I have never done anything like publishing a, a devotional before. Right. So as it intensified, I it took me a while to realize that I had to believe more, not just in God, but believe that the gift in the book that he placed in me was greater than my fears. You know, and for me, it took it took five years, you know, so that's why I tend to be a little more understanding with the, the children of Israel when they uh, were free from Egypt. Mm-hmm. And the journey took them 40 days instead of taking 40 days, it took them 40 years what should have taken them 40 days to get through the, uh, the desert. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was, there were things I needed to learn along the way. Wow. And I know your testimony is ministering will minister to a lot of people and, you know, myself included, especially when I release more books and I, I will definitely refer back to this episode. <laughs> so um, with that being said, are you planning on writing more books or doing more devotionals in the future? I am. I've actually started a second one, another spiritual thought. So this is a devotional, but this one, uh, right now, the subtitle is going to be under construction, spiritual thoughts still under construction. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's an interactive devotional where um, I have some fill in the blanks. I have a few puzzles. Uh, I have more scriptures, devotionals again. I have a couple other things in there. But this devotional is more set up to get you thinking about God in your everyday life on a deeper level, where sometimes it's like like the puzzles that I have. um, When you find what you're looking for with my puzzle, you'll see that there was something else there that you wasn't looking for, but it was there to bless you. Wow. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, that's all I was gonna say. That's you know, that's that's some of what I, I have in the book. So the the goal is to have that release next year because I'm like ninety percent done. Just got to get the cover done. And this one, because the first book was, um, I went through a publishing company. I want to try the other side of the house and self-publish. So when people ask me questions, because they've been already asking me questions, you know, which one to do, I can speak to both sides of the house. Okay, okay. Well, I am rooting for you. And I'm so excited <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> about your journey. I'm so excited that you are going to release more books. So um, do you have more, do you think it'll be, do you think you'll release more than two books? Do you think it's going to be something that, do you think that the Lord has called you to be a ready writer where you are releasing books upon books? Or I don't know why I'm asking this question, but I just feel led to. <laughs> um, I, what I believe God has really shown me is it's more about releasing in general. Mm -hmm. um, I have a YouTube channel uh, it's called Spiritual Snacks. And I have a couple of spoken word videos up there. Um, one of them is, is called uh, True Love. And really is talking about, you know, initially it talks about a, a failed relationship. But then it talks about another relationship, which is referring to Jesus that was always there. But because I was distracted by a, 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 a wrong relationship, mm -hmm. that I was overlooking his relationship. But what I've learned is that going back to what I said earlier, that the things that I, we all go through in life, not everybody shares them. Mm -hmm. I've learned that when we go through something and we overcome it, we overcome that test. But when we overcome that test and turn around and share with others, it now becomes a testimony. Ooh. And it can't become a testimony until you share it with others. If you keep it to yourself, it was only a test for you. Hmm. So with that being said, I feel obligated to share everything that I've gone through and I have and I and I've really begun that in the last few years. Some of the things that I thought I would take to my grave or some of the things I may have written down only, I find myself becoming more verbal about it. And the more freeing I become, I also notice um the more I don't say I don't want to say spiritual lighter I feel, but I feel I feel I feel freer. Yeah, because I'm not I'm not burdened down with things that I thought that I wasn't thinking about, but intentionally sub, uh, still suppressing some of those things. Yeah, the chains are being removed as we open exactly. our mouths. It's so amazing how that happens. Um, silence. I have mentioned this before um, in a previous podcast, but silence. What what feeds a demon? is silence a lot of the time, you know? Yes. So they, they don't like it when you say, when you, um, when you start testifying, because the word mm -hmm. says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So mm -hmm. when we, when we open up our mouths and speak uh, about how God has delivered and set us free and, and, and how he's continuously um, cleansing us from our past, you know, they, the thing is, hell gets nervous about that because hell knows that other people are going to be set free because they think yes. that they're all alone in their bondage and it's not true exactly so but i i so where can people find you where um do you have a website or where can people purchase your book so they can find my book on amazon 
spiritual thoughts, human error, God's correction, BJ Butler. You type in that and you will find my book there. Uh, if you're in the Hampton Rose area, you can hit me up. I'm on Facebook as BJ Butler. You'll see me with, uh, right now my profile picture consists of me and, uh, two celebrities, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Huxable, uh, Tempest Blesso okay. from the Cosby Show. Come on, celebrities. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Who do I have on my podcast? Are you saying that you are connected like that? <laughs> no, I'm not connected like that. I just took a picture with them. And <laughs> <laughs> Daryl Bell, her partner, 28 years, he was from a different world. Uh, Kadeem's a friend on, on a different world. But you'll see me there and on IG. Uh, my handle is long, but it's your guide to successful health. <laughs> and that is the number two. Okay. Alrighty. So I thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you um, giving your time and talking about your journey, talking about your book. I look forward to what you're doing in the future. I play, pray many blessings on your endeavor. So I, I just, I really appreciate you doing this for me. So. Well, thank you. This has been a blessing for me as well, just being able to share my journey and being able to bless your podcast. And I know this is going to blow up as well. Woohoo! Yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I hope you have a great night. All right. Thank you. You too. Thanks.